Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the most important podcast in the universe. That is the Roto World Football Podcast. As always, I want to thank our producer, Josh Norris, for helping us out. Uh, all right, so this was a crazy, crazy, crazy week three. It just te- a week, yeah, week three. Just shows us that we know very little at times, but we are going to talk for the next twenty minutes and try to figure out a few things: what can last, what can be consistent from the weekend, what train is exactly going by my apartment right now, and to do that, I have Mister Waiver Wire himself. That is. Raymond Summerland. Ray, what is one word that you can say about the last weekend of college football? Not college football. The last weekend of NFL football. Hold on. If you really want to talk about college football, there was a there was a game on Saturday night which I blacked out at on <laughs> it at one point. Uh, I still don't really know what happened because I was lying on the floor in the fetal position, but but yeah, Penn State able to pull it out. And uh, I don't really know what else happened the rest of the weekend. I'm being perfectly honest with you. That was that was my entire focus. I just watched that play on repeat all day Sunday. So we'll see how this goes. It's uh, I kind of wish that happened to me. So I <laughs> could have skipped some of the games yesterday. But some of it was really good. Obviously, it was, yeah. it was a really good football Sunday. Just the unexpected parts were flabbergasting. If that's well, I mean, I think that, that you know, way. it's funny. I'm going to say this, and this sounds ridiculous. The unexpected probably should have been expected in a week like that with so many road favorites. I, as, so, as soon as I saw the lines and I saw all those road favorites, I go, oh, yeah. In fact, I think I sent out a tweet to this effect. We're going to see some we're going to see some weird stuff and some quote unquote upsets this yeah. week for sure, because that's that definitely had to happen. And by the way, we have another episode of this podcast that comes out on Thursday, another one on Friday. So if you enjoy it, hit that subscribe button. Um, and we also as you all hopefully know, have Roto World Live, which is on Sundays at noon Eastern. We're here to um, help you set your optimal lineup. But, Ray, let's get into possibly helping some people fix their fancy teams. Uh, quarterback. I, I have some quarterback issues. Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, I guess Russell Wilson bounced back. But, Ray, help me out here. Should we have any interest in Jared Goff? How about Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Kaiser, any of these guys? You know, of the three, I think that I, I'm least interested in Jared Goff. He, he's going to have a good matchup this week against the Cowboys. We do record this before the Monday night game, so perhaps the Cowboys secondary gets Orlando Skandrick back and is 
sudden somehow great. But I think it's probably a good matchup. But if you look at what Goff has done, it's been on limited throws. He hasn't thrown more than 29 times yet this season, and he's not providing the rushing totals to really be able to have a great fantasy days consistently at least on that kind of workload. So I'm not that interested in golf this week because it's the Cowboys. Then in deeper leagues, you can stream him. But I just think that there are going to be a lot of duds in there, like we saw in week two, simply because his simply because his volume just isn't there. But on the other two guys, can, I mean, can, you're can talking I, can about... Can I hop in real yeah, quick on Jared Goff? Because I need to speak to the people out there. Um, <laughs> I know myself, and I can't speak for other people, Evan, a few others I podcast with this off season. I, I did not have that many kind things to say about Jared Goff. And how could you after his rookie season? And it's not like I loved him heading into the draft either, especially compared to the number one pick and even where some other people had him. Um, obviously, Jared Goff has exceeded my expectations this year, but so has the Rams offensive line where it looks like a very, very good unit in terms of pass protection. And that is the biggest shock of them all. It's not a shock that Sean McVay is a great coach and is calling great plays. And and everything is, is in rhythm right now for Jared Goff. And that's very good. That's great. That's what we want to see for a quarterback to succeed. However, I will and continue to have questions at what happens when things aren't in rhythm. And he had a great pass on Thursday night along the sideline that was just an absolute dime and a bucket throw. But we need to see those consistently because we've seen the opposite of that more often in terms of him falling back and regressing as a passer. So keep that in mind. If something happens in the offensive line or if they fall back or, or whatever happens, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jared Goff's game completely tails off. But right now, he's certainly exceeding my expectations. Sorry, I just need to feel like I, I, I had to say that based on what I said this summer. Sure. And I mean, the schedule is going to get tougher. And so I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. A guy that exceeded my expectations in week three, at least, was Deshaun Watson. He's the next guy I, I want to talk about Mine here. as well. He, I mean, he was really, really good against the Patriots in New England as a rookie quarterback against a Belichick defense. It's, it is, that doesn't happen. Like, to go in there and do that, and especially doesn't happen for a player who wasn't very good in his first start, wasn't very good really in relief in week one. For him to come in and have that game really opened my eyes. And it wasn't just his playmaking ability, which was on full display, the, the pass that he was able to get to Ryan Griffin falling back across the field. Now, to be fair, that probably should have been an interception, but some players just have that ability, and he seems to be one. He had an escape late in the game that picked up a first down to Dante Foreman, which, I mean, looked like it was going to salt away the game, didn't, but it was still an incredible play. But some of the throws he made, his two touchdown throws were exceptional, and it's just after what we had seen from him, it wasn't what I expected to right. see. And it really opened my eyes to him as a as a fantasy player moving forward, not because I think he's going to be great as a passer. But if you look at what he's done in two starts, he has 108 yards on the ground. He has a touchdown. It looks like he's going to continue to make plays with his legs. And as we've seen with Tyrod Taylor, guys, even with limited passing numbers, if they're going to get 40 yards on the ground with a touchdown chance every single week, that floor makes them streamable yep. every week and makes them even good options and good matchups, which Watson has this week against the Titans at home. So I'm in on him this week as a streamer. I think that he's a pretty good option, one of the better options that are out there. I'm not as in on Kaiser, but I think that Kaiser has a similar thing working for him with what he's been able to do on the ground and even has more upside as a passer because he's he's willing to take risks. Now, that might result in four interceptions and negative points at some point. Which he's come but, close to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
but he's willing to take those risks. So he has the Bengals this week, so I'm not excited about that matchup. But I think that both of those guys yeah. are going to be stream-worthy and good matchups all season. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I haven't watched that game yet, so I can't say anything. But, I mean, just on paper and the highlights I saw, he, he did exceed expectations again for me because he's one that, Ray, I, I've had major questions with in terms of his ability to handle pressure and disruption. Um, he drops his eyes and he kind of gets frenetic. And he has his playmaker mentality. And that worked out in his favor in this game. It, seem, it seems like, it sounds like from years and in some instances in another parallel universe, those would have been turnovers. But yep, that happens sure. with like quarterback play week to week, right? I mean, you, you would agree with that. Like sometimes the ball bounces your way, sometimes it doesn't. And speaking of that with Kaiser, I, I just rewatched that game today. He, he played well enough for that team to win, you know? And his receiver certainly let him down in a lot of situations. Yes, he makes uh, rookie mistakes, especially near the goal line in the red zone, and you can't have that at all. But to me, he's so good at Ray at creating operable space, operational space against initial pocket pressure, but then he wants to continue the play and allows the defense to catch up, and then they sack or intercept him or something like that at the end of the play. So, again, his initial interactions are great, or, or reactions are great, but but beyond that, he, he tries to make plays happen when plays aren't there. It's it, 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 it's something where I don't know if I'm comfortable enough with Deshaun Watson because I saw like the previous five or six quarters and obviously he had a great rushing touchdown. But outside of that game, I, I didn't really see anything. But I understand what you're saying that and, and to me, it might, I, I might want to be a little more patient and see another week with it. Do you think I'm crazy for that? No, I don't. But that's why I talk about. First of all, it's just the matchup against the Titans. The Titans busted Russell Wilson's slump. So I think, it's just, I think it's just a, that good of a matchup. And I think that what's really important, so the difference between he and Goff, and, or the difference between Kaiser and Goff, is that if you get 30 or 40 rushing yards and a chance at a touchdown, that can, that can erase a lot of ills. And I think that that's really going to be the difference here. All three of them probably aren't going to throw that much. All three of them probably will have limited passing numbers. But I think that... Anytime you have a quarterback that has that, which, by the way, is why I might have sold early on Andy Dalton, because Andy Dalton, yeah. people don't know, scores four touchdowns, five touchdowns every year. When you have on the ground, when you have that kind of rushing upside, it can kind of it can kind of um, pave over the cracks a little bit. And I think that I think that Watson and Kaiser are going to have that all year. And that's why I'm I'm in on them as streamers in good matchups as early as this week. And we're totally out on Cam Newton now, right? Like he's droppable. Yeah, I, I have him has, you know. I have him on the drop list as droppable. He just doesn't – it doesn't look right in this offense. Kelvin Benjamin, we don't know what's going to happen with him without Benjamin and Olsen. I mean, what do they have there? They have Nothing. a guy they, we'll they, talk they about. Have, they have five-yard yeah. completions and manufactured touches to Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel, and that's about to be their offense in two or three weeks. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think Devin Funches is, a, is an ad simply because he's going to get the targets. He had 10 targets this week, and they don't really have anybody to throw to, but – He's not good, so right. he only caught he only caught four of them. So I, I just don't see how he doesn't look right. The passing offense doesn't look great. It doesn't seem like, even though he got the rushing touchdown this week, it doesn't seem like they're really that interested in using him as a runner. Yeah, what upside really is there at this point for him? I'm I would hold him if possible to see what happens. But if you need that spot, I'm I'm not I'm not against dropping Cam Newton. If if he is your second quarterback, let's put it this way, then you absolutely should drop him. Like there's yeah. in many situations no reason to keep two quarterbacks, but especially if you're keeping like Cam as your second one, just get rid of him. Uh let's go to you mentioned Funches as an ad at wide receiver. 
Um, we didn't talk about any other names before this. Let's go to some of the running backs. Uh, Darren Sproles, some of our, one of our favorite players of all time, at yep. least mine. Uh, it doesn't matter what team he plays on. I will always love watching Darren Sproles. And hopefully, I mean, maybe this is the last time we see him, and that would absolutely suck. Uh, yes. But in the Eagles' backfield, talk about suck. Now you have Wendell Smallwood drop, jumping in. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt got a rushing touchdown. Um, Corey Clement is going to see some, and I thought Corey Clement was a bad player at Wisconsin, but he's yep. actually shown something uh, this preseason, I guess. So what do we make of this Eagles' backfield? Yeah, I'm not I'm not on the Clement train, um, but I you know we'll see we'll see what happens. I think that you know people are getting excited about Blunt because he had the touchdown and 12 carries, and that makes perfect sense. Had 67 yards, I believe, which is that makes sense. But Wendell Smallwood played 21 more snaps than Blunt in that game. He saw the same number of carries. He is a much better fit to fill the Darren Sproles role than anybody on that roster, especially with Danelle Pumphrey on injured reserve and, and maybe not very good at this point in his career. So I think that if you're looking at this situation, Wendell Smallwood is the best bet to lead this backfield and touches the rest of the way. In fact, I'm predicting that he leads the backfield and touches the rest mm-hmm. of the way. I think that Blunt is still going to be in play simply because you know, this offense looks to be okay, especially you know, especially the passing game looks to be fine. I think that Blunt's going to have some touchdown opportunities. But I think Smallwood's going to be a more consistent fantasy option. He's out there in, in basically every league. I've had him I, I've had him as an ad, I think, two weeks in a row, and it, it hasn't done anything. I still think he's at like 4%. But I think he needs to be owned in every league. I don't think Alex Collins is a very good football player either, but when he yeah. got into that game, he looked good. Now, the Ravens were very, very down on the scoreboard, correct me if I'm wrong, um, for most of that game. And... <sighs> This is a backfield that we've had issues with all season, right? Once we all, our beloved Danny Woodhead went down, then we have to put in Buck Allen. We don't think Buck Allen's that good, but then there's opportunity. Same thing with Terrence West. So what do you make of Alex Collins just joining like that ragtag group? Well, I think that, so he's looked great in garbage time two weeks in a row. And that's where almost all of his yards have come from. But it's important to note that he was seeing touches. He was seeing snaps with the first-team offense early in that game. It wasn't like this all came late. And Terrence West fumbled late. Um, He seemed to almost be benched after that. I don't know if he played another snap after, but I didn't see much of him after in that game. And they need something in this offense. They need something to to be a catalyst. I'm not getting terribly excited about Collins. If you just look at his 82 yards and and think, oh, he's going to be the guy now Terrence West is done, I don't think that's the case. But I am interested in adding him in deeper leagues and as a you know a really speculative ad in, in shallower leagues just because we don't know how this is going to work out, this backfield. They might not know how the backfield's going to work out. Buck Allen comes out and is great for two weeks, and then they go and play West and Collins a lot early in the game, and, and they don't really – Allen's kind of an afterthought until they're already behind. So maybe they don't know what they're doing, but I think that Collins at least has a chance to come in and get some carries, and that makes him worth – you know and add in deeper leagues. And that's not, I guess that's about as lukewarm of an endorsement as you could make of a player. (laughs) So we talked about some young guys. Let's go to the older one. Jamal Charles has looked really good uh, in his limited time. At least I think so, Ray. Uh, CJ Anderson has also looked really good. Is there enough to go around where Jamal Charles is a good enough ad at this moment? Or if he's not, now was kind of the time to look into possible handcuffs. Um, and it seems like Jamal Charles is one of the more talented ones across the league. My, you know, this game, and people are getting excited after this game. I got it. He got into the end zone, and that makes people excited. 
But if you look at the underlying usage numbers, they were exact, literally exactly the same. He's had 10 touches in all three games this year. He's played right around 30% of the snaps in all three games this year. That was exactly the same in week three. So you look at this game and you get excited because of the touchdown, but then you see that it would have been another five-point fantasy game mm-hmm. without that touchdown. And I think that I think that because he's Jamal Charles, we all want to see it and say, oh, this is going to happen. There's a real chance that the Broncos like him as their 10-touch player, and that's just what he's going to stay. Even if something happened to C.J. Anderson, they get Devontae Booker back. They uh-uh. use him. D'Angelo Henderson. That's who They get D'Angelo it. Henderson. There you go. Uh <laughs> One of those guys, or maybe both of those guys, come in and take on a bigger role, and they continue to use Charles in an effort to you know, preserve him in this limited role. Maybe that's not true, and I think that he needs to be added in most leagues because it's possible that after this performance, now that he's looking healthy, they're going to have his role grow. But what we've seen in the first three weeks suggests that they see him as a 10-touch player, plays 30% of the snaps, and if that's going to, going to be the case, even with how efficient Charles has been with his work in the past, if that's going to be the case, he's not going to be anything more than you know a flex play during the bye weeks. So I think that people are going to be a lot more excited about Charles than I am on the wire this week. And if C.J. Anderson doesn't surpass 900 rushing yards for like the first time in his college or NFL career this season, then it's like never going to happen ever. Yeah, probably. He, right? Because, I mean, he's yep. playing really well right now and probably the best of his career. Uh, Ray, any deep cuts for us this week? Well, I mean, after the touchdown we saw on Sunday night, I think you know, I think you Uh-oh. know who's in this list, right? Uh, well, if you said Sunday morning, I would have said Mercedes Lewis, <laughs> greatest tight end in the history of the NFL, of no, London, of London, sure. It is Josh Doxson. Aha! Uh-huh. We saw the play. That's the play. If you wanted, that to, is a you, Josh Doxson special. If you wanted to know one play to describe who a player is, that was the play for him. But more importantly than that, he played two more snaps than Ryan Grant. They need some help on the outside. It's coming. I think it's coming. If he stays healthy, fingers crossed. If he stays healthy, I think that's coming. Another guy close to your heart, Curtis Samuel. Yep. I'm with you here. I'm with you here. Played season high 36 snaps. He saw five targets. He took his only carry for 31 yards. They need something. They need something to spark this offense, and Samuel can be that guy. So he's someone to look at deep leagues. I don't like this player particularly that much, but Paul Perkins has to go. Yep. Or Orleans Darkwa is hurt. Are they going to give Wayne Gallman a shot? I, oh, I don't man. think I don't think he's very good, but are they going to give him a shot? I, I think Maybe. they just abandon that part of the game and then just put Shane Vereen in and just pass every time. I think that that actually might be their best course of action at this point, but we'll see what happens. And then we record this before Monday Night Football, but I think Jaron Brown is going to have a big mm-hmm. game tonight. We'll see what happens. Um, and if that's the case, you know, his targets have been there. We keep talking about J.J. Nelson for good reason, but the targets and snaps have been there for Jerron Brown. So we'll, we'll see what happens on Monday night, but he might be a guy to target as well. Ray, we have like another minute and a half, so I want to ask you this. Uh, a lot of leagues now have IR spots, especially with IR to return uh, as, as a prominent piece in the NFL now. Um, there are a few big names who some teams might have dropped, either because they have multiple of them on a, on a team, um, or, you know, it's just an owner that doesn't pay attention to that he has an IR slot. Some of those names include Danny Woodhead, Greg Olson, Andrew Luck. I mean, I'm sure there's a few more out there. Is there any one of those that you think uh, is is the most important stash to use on your IR spot right now that might be out there? Well, if Andrew Luck is eligible, you know, because he's not actually on the PUP or IR or anything. So, Oh, interesting. 
there'll be leagues where he's not there'll be leagues where he's not eligible but if he's eligible because there'll be other leagues where, where you know where he is but if he's eligible he would be number one if he's not i'm the most interested in danny woodhead i that's probably not a surprise i i would i wouldn't imagine that there were any people feigning with hearing me say that i'm interested in danny woodhead but i think it's pretty clear he's going to come back you know, right when he's eligible to do so, this back, it's not like anybody's come in this backfield and really run away with it. If you, if you have an IR slot spot and you're, you know, you don't have anybody more important to fill it. I'd rather have him than Greg Olson, which I mean, we look at where this passing game's headed in Carolina. The fact that Greg Olson Down. back to last year really wasn't an elite tight end anymore. I just don't think that that's a spot I'm going to waste. And, and it's a broken a foot. And we know that all the time surgery on broken feet or, uh, come back to haunt you like quickly. It happened with Devonte Parker. It happened, I believe, with Julio Jones at times. Sammy like, Watkins. Sammy Watkins. It happens with a lot of players. Um, so I I agree with you. I can't wait for Week Twelve Ray when we spend thirty minutes talking about Doug Martin and Danny Woodhead. Oh, I can you? So Doug Martin comes back next week, and uh, I have it down on my calendar. Um, I had my own little Christmas countdown calendar for Doug. I had to add a week after this whole thing. And then if Danny Woodhead, if I get to have Doug Martin and Danny Woodhead on the same fantasy team at the same time, that's heaven. That's heaven right there. And that is Ray Sumlin. You can check out his waiver-wired piece over at rotorworld.com. Again, I'm Josh Norris. And again, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. Well, don't consider it. Just do it. I'm talking to you, Frank and Fran, and I have no other F names that I can think of. Freddie. Freddie. Thank you, Fred and Freddie. Uh, and okay that's it that's all we've got time for and we'll talk to you all next week see ya Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.